0: Hey, so I just listened to episode 61 of, and Joe and Kyle slammed out the uh, challenge. So here it goes. My name is David Steiner. I'm an instructional technology coach from Toppenish, Washington. And I am part of the EdTech Army. Hashtag EdTech Army.
1: Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride. With your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson.
0: Welcome everybody to another fantastic episode of the podcast by the Sons of Technology. We have a really great episode today because we're gonna be talking about all the different ed tech certifications that you can look into during the summer. Now I know, I know what you're saying. You're saying, Joe, Kyle, Joe, you, you guys, we just went through one of the hardest years you can ever imagine. We just want to take the summer off. We understand, we know this, But we just want you to be aware that the tools that you've discovered, the tools that you've become very good at using to engage your students, the tools that you got through the pandemic with, you know, those tools gave you a little bit extra oomph uh, in in your um, uh, pedagogical processes. So why not get certified in the tools that you're using? So that's going to be the basis of our discussion. But before we do, Kyle, guess what is happening this coming week? Do you know what's well, happening I know. this coming week?
1: I already know, so it would be really lame for me to just spit it out. So I'm going to let you go ahead and say what's happening this coming week.
0: I am turning 40 years old this week. And that sounds crazy to me. Right? Because it it seems like just yesterday I graduated from high school. And it's strange too, because all the graduations were happening this week, all the, we, we live right in between almost all the high schools in our town and all of the fireworks were going off every single night. And I'm like, oh, people are just starting their lives. Amazing. And I'm like, where has the last 20 years or so so gone since that moment? I mean, it's, it's like a blur. It's crazy. And it reminds me when my grandpa used to say to me, Oh Joe, you know, it, you know, live your life, have a good time, make a difference because in a, in a snap of a finger, you're going to be as old as I am. I'm like, okay, grandpa. Yeah. But it seems like that's actually coming true. Right. I mean, 40 years old, it's, it's crazy to me.
1: Yeah. My dad said something very similar to me when I was about, I, I distinctly remember it was about the time I was 16 and I, you know, get my driver's license, whatever. And and his words were, you know, first you wanna be 16 and then you wanna be 18, then you wanna be 21 and then you're 40 like me and you don't know where time has gone. And and like you, I'm turning 40 in a couple of months as well. So we are just talking about how, you know, you graduated in 1999 and I graduated in 2000 and we're the same age and the, the difference between that and how that's weird. And like you were talking like you were actually 17 when you graduated.
0: Yeah, it, it was very strange you know every, everybody was 18 or 19 right when they were graduating and I was 17 I don't know if I started early or if there was if, if I' like had just made the cutoff for starting kindergarten at a, I have no idea but uh, yeah I was one of the younger individuals um, out, out there which it made me think you know I, I was pretty good at football in high school uh, would have and I think to myself if I had given that myself that extra year, uh, you know, cause I got, uh, I got, you know, pr- in pretty good shape when I was a freshman in college, I could have imagined, you know, what I could have done on the football field in high school.
1: See, and I was the opposite. I was one of the older ones in my class because, um, uh, I actually went to school a year late and, uh, there's a really funny story behind that. Something that I don't think it would happen today. And if it did happen today, it would just be nuts. So when my parents took me for preschool screening or kindergarten screening or whatever it was, they... They sit you down and have you do some different tasks and kind of just evaluate your skill set before going into school. And one of the skills that my mom and dad said that they had me do was they wanted to see if I knew how to write and what my writing skills were like at the time. So they put a piece of paper and a pencil down for me and just said, let's see what you can do. So what I did was pick up the pencil with my left hand and start scratching out whatever my handwriting looked like at the time. I got to the middle of the paper and I put the pencil down and they thought I was done. No, I picked it back up with my right hand and finished writing out what I was doing with my right hand for the rest of the paper. So whoever was in charge of evaluating me, tell my parents um, he's not ready for school yet because he can't decide which hand he wants to write with. So they held me out of school for a year because of that. So then I was a six year old going into kindergarten and I was way bigger than everybody else. I was bigger than pretty much every kid until about eighth, ninth grade. But And that's when kids caught up to me or surpassed me in, in height and whatnot. But um, yeah, I just think to this day, that's a funny story how I basically got held out of school because I couldn't decide which hand to write with. And now I write left-handed, that's what I do. But if I broke my left hand right now and had to write right-handed, I could pull it off. So in fact, because I have to think about it a little bit harder when I'm writing right-handed, I think my handwriting actually is a little bit better when I'm right-handed because I do have to think about it. But I just think that's a really funny story about how I basically was a year behind you and another good friend who recently turned 40, Adam Juarez. I, I graduated the year after you guys, even though we're the same age uh, because of that whole deal. So, but it did, like you were saying with sports, I think it ended up benefiting me because I had that extra year of not necessarily development, but I basically was able to continue playing on as an older kid. So when I I turned 18 in the middle of my senior football season, whereas a lot of my teammates were only 17, not turning 18 until the spring or even the following summer, kind of like what you did.
0: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, holding you back because you're Possibly ambidextrous is crazy to me, right? Um, and, and 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 you're saying, you know, if you think about it a little more, you can write with your right hand and it makes your handwriting better. People always ask, "Are you sure you're right-handed?" To me, because my handwriting is so horrible. Like, are you sure you're you're right-handed? Because uh, I can't even read what you're writing. Yeah. I'm like, well, I just write fast. Um, yeah. But uh, but you know that's it. thinking all the way back. You know, and then all of these memories start flooding back around this time of year because of the spring and because of all the feelings that we had when we were graduating or as a teacher you know you are are going off into the summer um it's always one of the best times as a teacher because it's that feeling of accomplishment that big breath um of okay i did it let me recoup over the summer and let's get going for the following fall right um which is why we wanted to talk today about edu certifications because of all the hard work that you went through. But before we get started, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves, Kyle. My name is Joe Marquez. I am Director of Academic Innovation for Q, uh, and I am an educator out of the Central Valley of California. And if you are on the Twitters, you can find me at Marquez 70 And as always, my partner in innovation, Kyle Anderson. Kyle, please introduce yourself.
1: Yes, I am Kyle Anderson. I am on Twitter at AndersonEdTech. I'm on Instagram with the same thing. I am a special education teacher in Las Vegas. And then you could also connect with me through my blog, AndersonEdTech.net. And then I have a book titled To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking. You can find that on Amazon, on BarnesandNoble.com. You can get it through my publisher, Edumatch Publishing, along with a lot of other great educational books, Uh, so many great authors out there, Uh, friends of the show like Brent Coley, uh, Dr. Sarah Thomas, uh, it's her brainchild, uh, the publishing company. So just a great, great organization, great publishing company. So, and yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this stuff. So we have this great list of different ed tech tools where you can work to get certified or become an ambassador for those tools and uh, just looking at the list that we have, uh, we were comparing beforehand, which ones that you and I have actually earned certifications for and uh, the list is long for both of us.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I want the listeners to understand, like I, I understand the drive to collect badges. I understand the drive. I see people grabbing the badges, putting the badges under their signature, those kinds of things, that's fantastic. But the idea here, is becoming more invested in a tool that serves a purpose in your classroom, a, a tool not to collect the bads, but a tool to learn more about to get involved in that community because you truly believe in that tool and the purpose of that tool. Um, and so that's what Kyle and I are going to be talking about is the certifications that we have gotten and kind of how to get there and why we decided to go down this path. Um, and so um Maybe early in my career, I loved collecting badges, uh, but now in my career, I only look into tools that I really find a benefit in, or maybe I just want to learn a little bit more about them. And the best way to do that is to kind of go through their their level ups. Um, so I want to talk about one that um, I truly when I truly discovered this. Uh, it was a game changer in my science classroom and in our science department. And so I really got invested in trying to figure out how to get involved more in this community. And that is Nearpod. Um, I started getting involved with Nearpod back in 2014. Uh, I stumbled across it, you know, uh, surprise, surprise at a Q conference. Um, You know, you go to one of those sessions that says, you know, 10 tools in an hour and they go through all these different tools and Nearpod was one of them. And one of the things that really caught my eye was that, um, you can you know beam your screen to the student's screen, right? And then when you hit next, their screen goes to next. It was the first time I'd ever seen anything like it, and so I really dove in deep with it uh, and started contacting the community. But like, hey, is there a you know any any extra? lessons I can go through any, any this, any that. And they said, actually, yes, we have four different types of certifications. We have the Nearpod certified educator, level one, level two, we have a Nearpod trainer. And then the top one is a Nearpod pioneer. And so I went through the level one and level two. I really liked it. Um, I became a certified Nearpod trainer. Um, and then uh, I joined their pioneer program, which is, you know, if you're talking about Microsoft or, or Google, that's like the innovator program of, of this company. Uh, and it's and to me, it's one of one of the best run communities out there. Now, I know you're a part of the Pear Deck and I hope community, I hope you talk about that because I want to get to know how to get more involved with Pear so I believe in their tool as well. But I will say the Nearpod community. Um, the the individuals who run that on the Nearpod side and those involved in it on the Nearpod side uh, as the teachers, great community. uh, And um, I think it would rival some of the best communities out there. Uh, So I absolutely love it. And so if you like using Nearpod, if you like that, definitely look into their certification processes. The easiest is the uh, certified educator because you can go at your own pace and then you can apply to be trainer and pioneer for Nearpod.
1: I like what you said about before you guys started talking about Nearpod, how using a certification program to learn more about it. So because clearly you're going to need to have some base knowledge about a tool in order to become an ambassador, a pioneer, a certified educator, whatever it may be, depending on the program. So and looking at the Nearpod one, that was my intention possibly later for this summer is because I don't know much about Nearpod. I know it is very similar to Pear Deck and I'm going to talk about Pear Deck more here in a second. But that was my intention was that this summer at some point to sit down and look at the Nearpod certifications strictly to learn more about it and see how I can use it come fall. So because my co-teachers and I, this year, we use Pear Deck because, well, that that's what I know and that's the universe I've been in. So looking into the Nearpod universe is something I do have on tap for later on. But speaking of Pear Deck, so for me... This is one, their program is something I actually didn't know much about because I'm part of the certified coaches uh, for Pear Deck, which is a little bit different. And I can talk more about that in a second, too. But Pear Deck has something called the Inspirational Educator Program. So there's always a play on words with pair when it comes to Pear Deck, and it's absolutely great. So basically what this is, uh, this is a way to, again, show that you are a person that uses Pear Deck, you know what you're doing with it, uh, to let others know that you're a person that can be approached about learning more about Pear Deck. So, And basically what it is is that you sign up for it, you attend a quick webinar, or you go to a conference and go to a session on Pear Deck, uh, you share a sample Pear Deck that you made with the organization, you present at least 20 times, uh before you can be accepted so you can't just go in and say like okay i want to be a paradeck inspirational and but you've never used it before so they actually need to you need to show proof that you've actually been using paradeck um and then you can submit your application after that and then they do require that uh when you renew you have to have used paradeck at least once a month throughout the year in order to keep it going so it's not something just like once you get it you're done you're for for life or something like that so um and Pear Deck is pushing out updates on new products um, within their universe all the time. So it's nice to be able to continue using those things and you can learn about those new things as they come out. Now, for me, again, I honestly didn't know a whole lot about this one before because I'm not I'm not an inspirational Pear Deck user because I'm actually part of the Pear Deck Certified Coaches pro- program. So a few years ago, I was approached by one of the reps from Pear Deck, a gentleman by the name of Nick Park, I worked with him uh, to purchase a site license years ago for Pear Deck. And then uh, I presented at conferences under his guidance and and different things using Pear Deck. And he, when it first got started, he recommended me for the Certified Coaches Program. This was something that somebody from Pear Deck basically had to recommend you for. So, and I was part of one of the early cohorts for that where, Essentially what that means is that we're ambassadors for the, pro- the program where we get information ahead of time on new updates that are coming out. Um, we're kind of used as market research uh, for different things. Uh, we're, we're part of, a, we have a Slack channel where we can interact with other Pear Deck coaches from around the world. Um, so again, I didn't know much about the Inspirational program because I was part of this coaches cohort. So. Uh, I would say that this is kind of like the you you compared it to Google with the certified trainer or excuse me, certified uh, educator versus innovator. So I would say that the coaches program is more like the innovator versus the inspirational educator is more of the certified educator part of it. So uh, now I know it's a little bit different now to become a coach. I'm not 100 percent sure what that process is because I've been a certified coach now for I, at least three years. It may be even longer at this point so but in the wakelet that we have that we'll put in the show notes that there is a link there to, on how you can become a paradek inspirational educator and then if we, there's a time later on in a future episode after i learned a little bit more about maybe how to become a coach if you're like a Pear deck super user maybe i can share something like that as well
0: yo yeah and a uh, deck is one of my favorite tools to hack Kyle, you know, there's there's always something that you can do to tweak this or tweak that. Um, so I, I love that. And, but but because Pear Deck is coming out with so many different updates, a lot of the hacks become obsolete, which which we're proud of, right? When a hack becomes obsolete, that means, you know, we were out there trying to figure it out, you know, as they were. So that's that's good to know. Um, well, and then Pear
1: Deck actually just teamed up with Go Guardian as well. So now you're going to have uh, different things that are going to be molding together between those two companies as well. So uh, Go Guardian if you were unaware, it's a, uh, on the surface, it's basically a, some people call it a Big Brother program, where you can watch other uh, students' screens and whatnot. But uh, there's so much more to Go Guardian Yes, you can see students' screens and, and close out tabs, redirect them, but, uh, but it also has a great messaging system in it, so you can interact with students one-on-one on there. You can use it to open tabs for students that may be having difficulty getting a tab opened, uh, you can go on and do all sorts of things. It's, so it's it's much more than just the teacher is watching you kind of kind of program. So I'm really excited to see what Pear Deck and Go Guardian have up their sleeves in the future.
0: Yeah, and you know, Go Guardian, I'm sure they have like a certified program as well, right? Because teachers use it, and they need to train other teachers. So I'm sure Go Guardian has something like that too. Um, so the the next one I want to talk about, of course, is one that everybody. Uh, loves. Everybody's been talking about this one, especially through the pandemic. So why not get certified in it? Right. It's Flipgrid. Uh, Flipgrid. Flipgrid is, is a great tool. It works across all platforms. It's easy to start to use and get going. Um, and Flipgrid has multiple pathways uh, to get so that you can get involved uh, more with the company. So, I mean, they have uh, certified educator, level one, level two and level three. And um, through that, of course, you have to do you know the one below before you get to the one above. Um, but it's actually just walking you through how to use the program. And that's what I like about some of these certifications. It's, yes, you get a badge at the end and say, yay, I'm Flipgrid level one. But you're learning about the tool and maybe some ways to use it that you never thought of. And that's why I really encourage you, uh, listeners, when you go through one of these certified things, it's very tempting to try and skip the video or skip the readings and go straight to the quiz to see if you can pass it. It's very tempting. But when you're looking to get a little bit deeper in-depth understanding of the tool, it's really important that you go through the – listen to the video. Um, even if you only get to pull one or two nuggets out of it, it's important that you listen to the video and you read the readings because they're there for a reason and they're there to help. At the end of the day, it's not about the badge, it's about what you did to get the badge, not just clicking and fast forwarding. Um, but the Flipgrid Certified Educator level what level one, level two, and level three, fantastic. Um, there's the Flipgrid Ambassador Program, which I'm a part of, which is kind of like the top level, top tier that you can be a part of in Flipgrid. Um, and then there's uh, also uh, a Flipgrid uh, community member. Um, so you're um, adding to the uh, different activities that teachers can uh, upload to their community menus in Flipgrid. So um, lots of different ways to get involved with Flipgrid and Flipgrid, again, has an amazing, amazing community of, of educators and very passionate educators willing to present for them. Um, and uh, Flipgrid loves to send its members uh, of the community's swag. I mean, t-shirts after t-shirts, after this, after that. Uh, amazing community. Um, I can't say it enough. And, um, you've, you've all, if you've been to a conference, you've met them before. And, uh, one of our absolute favorite people and Cosma is a part of their, their community, uh, through Flipgrid. So just a great team. And again, I wouldn't have got to know them unless I wanted to dive a little bit deeper. And, and before Kyle, before I pass it over to you, um, the way that I got involved with Flipgrid again was I went to a conference and somebody just mentioned it in passing. I believe it was like in 2016 or early 2017. And I I, I added it to my, uh, my bookmarks called To Review Later. I do that all the time. To review later, to review later. Um, and I would say in um, August or September of 2017, I had a prep. So I was going through all these different tools that I said I'd get to later. I said, I'll play with this Flipgrid. And I instantly uh, just got, uh, amazed by it. I thought it was a great tool, started using it. And then I've reached out to them to ask, do you have a certification? Do you have a program? Is there a way to get more involved? Um, and that's when they said, yeah, we're actually just starting an ambassador program. We'd love for you to be a part of it. Can you apply? And so that's how I did it. Um, so that's another thing. If you don't even, if you, if you love a tool, and you're wondering if there is an ambassador program or there is a certification program, sometimes just giving them a tweet or a direct message on Twitter, that's the best way to get involved in their community. That's how I got involved with Nearpod and Flipgrid. So that's a great way to do it as well.
1: Yeah, I'm also part of the Flipgrid ambassador program as well. And uh, it's nice, uh, kind of like with Pear Deck, that we do get notifications ahead of time on some upcoming updates and a chance to toy around with those updates before they go live, uh, sometimes. So, but another nice touch for the program too, is that you mentioned all the swag, but, uh, just something, two days ago, I go to my mailbox and there's a card of sorts in the the mail and I open it up and it says, you're invited. I'm like, Oh, do I know somebody that's graduating high school or is there a wedding coming up or whatever? And I open it up and it was an official, invite to an upcoming Flipgrid Live at the end of June that they physically mailed us and then somebody physically like signed it and wrote their name in there to invite us. And I just thought that was a really nice touch, something that it was kind of nice to get mail that I know that it was kind of a form invite that went out to all the ambassadors. But at the same time, someone took their time out to sign that and then put it in an envelope and drop it in the mail. And I thought that was a really nice touch. No,
0: yeah. I mean, that's those things right there. What bring a community together? Uh, And uh, that's why we're talking about, this is more than a badge. Uh, It's about you get involved in a community of like-minded educators uh, for a tool that you really feel passionate about. And that's, again, that's what we're talking about. We don't want you to go all all summer long and just badge it up. Uh, We just want you to become more involved with the community of the tools that helped you get through the pandemic. And so we're just kind of giving you some of the ideas on how to do that.
1: So now, shifting gears a little bit, uh, you mentioned, and well, and I also mentioned about doing a program to learn more about the product. So uh, that was one that I did a few months ago, and that was the Adobe Creative Educator program. So, um, as a Google certified trainer, which we can get into a little bit later on, and we've talked about it on the show a few times anyway. We have opportunities presented to us sometimes as trainers where there's agreements or collaborations between Google and other companies and their products to help trainers learn more about those. And one of them that posted in the Google group feed uh, from the Google Trainer team was this Adobe Creative Educator program. So I clicked on the link, and uh, it was a great opportunity where it was going to be live webinars where you'd be able to ask questions in the chat or unmute and talk to the Adobe team to learn more about Adobe Spark. And not just learn more about Adobe Spark and how to use Adobe Spark, but really how to create lessons using it. It was the foundation of the training was probably about 20% this is the program, 80% this is how you can use it effectively and build lessons that are pedagogically sound instead of just using a program for the sake of using a program. So I signed up for it and went through the whole process and I had been using Adobe Spark for a few years. So I kind of knew how to use it already, but it was really great in showing how to build lessons using Spark and how to be creative using uh, Adobe Spark, the Spark video, the Spark page, Spark post, all of them. So um, in the process you go through it, uh, the requirements in order to earn the level one and the level two certification were you had to create different artifacts using Adobe Spark. I believe I created a Spark post and then also a video, and then that was for the level one. For the level two, I actually had to write a lesson plan that centered around using Adobe Spark, and it didn't matter which part of Spark you use whether it's page, post, or video. I believe. My lesson was on using Adobe Spark video. And, and, the, and the lesson plan I wrote was how to teach World War II propaganda, but in a way that was more creative than just you know showing old news reels or you know, hey, here's some posters. Check out Rosie the Riveter. so where it was on the students more to create videos using World War II style propaganda to advertise something that is an issue today. So uh, it was something that uh, I put a lot of work into that lesson. So uh, probably about four or five hours by the time it was all said and done, but I was able to earn my level one and two Adobe Creative Educator badges as a result of that. So, and again, uh, we keep talking about these badges and yeah, it's fun to collect these badges, but at the same time, now I have ideas for next fall on how I can incorporate Adobe Spark into the class because I went through this whole process.
0: Yeah, and, and I like the fact that, you know, to get that badge, you're creating a lesson for your students. So it's not busy work. You're not just creating a lesson to provide to them. You're actually creating a lesson to provide an experience to your students, which just so happens to be a lesson you can send to Adobe and say, here's my artifact. And that's key, right? Not doing things just to get them done, but doing things that will actually, you know, help with the lesson planning uh, going forward. Um, that's actually one of the programs that are that's on my mind to get this summer. I want to dive a little bit deeper into Adobe Spark um, and into that certification program. Um, Adobe Spark came out after um, I had left the classroom. Um, and so I'd never got to use the tool um, as part of my classroom instruction. Um, but that's why it's one of those things where, you know, it's effective and teachers are using it. I want to know about it. And one of the best ways to know about it is to get your hands dirty playing with the tool. And I, I like the idea that that's how the Adobe uh, Creative Educator Badges um, are gained, so I really do like that. Um, you know, one of the one of the, the uh, tools that I've been training a lot on, and I I used when I was a teacher is Cami. Um, on the surface, right, Cami is you upload a PDF document and kids can highlight it and mark the text up and do some digital inking, but it, it can do so much more. But I was asking to myself, what what more, right? I mean, the best way to find out more is to use it in your classroom in different ways. But without a classroom, I go, what more? And so actually, Cami had came out with a brand new program um, where you can go through all the different uh, ways that Cami can be utilized and become certified educator level one and then educator level two. Uh, and so I went through those programs um, uh, to get those two certifications. Uh, and now I'm better at using Cami, and I, I see how it can be used more than just digital inking. And they have one more step up called the Kami Heroes, which is like their ambassador program. So once you get level one and level two certified, you can um, put in to be a part of that program as well.
1: We were chatting a little bit before we got started about how I, I know nothing about Kami. Uh, so the, the PDF work that I do, I use uh, DocHub for it. So And DocHub is more of just a way to edit PDFs. It's not necessarily interactive like Cami sounds. So that's something I'll have to take a look at a little bit further. I know Adam Waters really likes Cami a lot as well. So um, now I got two brains to pick a little bit uh, when I'm ready to start diving into Kami a little bit more so now another program that has a certification program a way to learn how to use it a little bit more is Edpuzzle so now Edpuzzle this is a program that if you're unaware you can take videos and then basically implement questions or activities within the video and then assign them to students so I mean it could be as simple as a short YouTube video where you just have the video stop and then ask a the question about something that was presented in the video that the students answer along the way. So, Or another great feature at Puzzle is that if there's a concept in a video that is something that's just really tough to understand, you can have the video pause and then the teacher can record a voiceover that says whatever that concept is, explains it in simpler terms little bit. Or there's a, there's all sorts of different things you can embed into an Edpuzzle video. And then it, it connects to Google, it connects to Microsoft, connects to Apple, all these different programs. And with their program, this was another one. I was using Edpuzzle, but I'm like, how can I use it more effectively? And there's Are there little secrets that I don't know about in Edpuzzle? So I went through the different modules in the Edpuzzle Coach program and learned quite a bit of new stuff in that program as I was going along with it. And now, again, I earned one of these badges that says Ed Puzzle Coach. But again, it's not just about the badge. It's when you display that badge, it's something that a teacher, they see that you have that on your email signature. Oh, what is Ed Puzzle? They go to look at it like, wow, I know nothing about this. Can you help me out? So when people get an email from me, my signature line, I have all these badges um, and it's not just a way to brag that I have these certifications. It is a way to say, hey, I know things about this and I can help you out with it. And Edpuzzle is one of those programs that I took the time to do their program and now can help people out with it.
0: Yeah, and Edpuzzle is one of those programs that I jumped to after a previous program that I really loved called Zaption, got uh, bought out by another company and moved out of the education space. Um, and Zaption, to me, was that go-to uh, video assessment tool. Um, and I, I'll say it, Zaption, three years ago, four years ago, before they went out, um, was well ahead of Edpuzzle at the time. But when Zaption went out, um, uh, I go, okay, what's the next best best thing? And I was juggling bet- between PlayPosit, um, which is another uh, video assessment tool, and Edpuzzle. And it was the Edpuzzle community that really drove me to the Edpuzzle tool because when I was asking Twitter, which one should I go to? Zaption's gone. What's the next best one? Edpuzzle actually reached out and said, we'd love to uh, show you what we have and we'd love to hear your comments. They actually reached out. And that's amazing when a company is listening to educators and says, oh, you're you're. we want to show you what our product can do. We want to show you why we're proud of it. And so, yeah, that's what I went to, Edpuzzle, and I love it. And I love the changes they've made. And I will say some of the things you can't do in Edpuzzle anymore isn't their fault. It's because of what YouTube has restricted them from doing. Um, So, you know, like the commentary over a YouTube video that used to be awesome I can do with students, but you can't do that anymore because you can't uh, manipulate YouTube audio or drawing on top of a YouTube video uh, to show how things work. Can't do that anymore, but it still does amazing, amazing things. And the certified coach, um, kind of, uh, a program, it's not just something you can quickly go through. You actually go through different lessons and, and they, they say, do this and try this and show us that you did this. And so it's actually helps you learn the ins and outs of the program. So a truly beneficial program. And so when you get that badge, you actually did stuff for it, not just quickly took a test at the end.
1: Right. And I remember going through that. I mean, that took me over the course of probably two days, you know, six to eight hours to get through all the stuff. So you're right, it, it was no joke. So having you pause to go and actually try the things out as you were going, and then you had to pass the certification at the end. So whereas, uh, not to disparage any company that does this, but there are some out there where you just log on and you take some short, simple quizzes and that's it. And, and you don't have anything else. So um, one of those that, is very similar to that, is the Microsoft one. We can get into that a little bit more. Um, I, I'm not sure how much I really learned from the Microsoft Innovative Educator program when I did that a couple of years ago, because it really was where uh, here's a quiz on PowerPoint, just pass this quiz on these 10 questions here, and then you will pass passed that aspect of the program. And if you earned so many certifications in different Microsoft products, then you get the MIE badge and whatnot. So, but I mean, Again, I learned stuff from it, but I'm just not as sure how much I learned because I wasn't actually doing it. It was more of just a rote memorization recall kind of deal with Microsoft. But we can talk about that more in a little bit. Now, one that couples really well with Edpuzzle, and if you're an Edpuzzle coach, you'll you'll know this, is Screencastify. So Screencastify has their genius program where uh, with Edpuzzle, pairing that up, you don't have to do a YouTube video to use Edpuzzle. Or any other video website, you can make your own videos and then create your own ed puzzle with your videos. So, Screencastify is a great tool to make your own videos. So, with the Screencastify Genius program, that one there, you go through a series of videos that they've created that demonstrates how to use the product and then not just how to use the product, but using the product in innovative ways. So talking about how teachers can use screencast to create instructional videos and then post them to a website or into something like Google Classroom or Microsoft Teams or something of that nature. So, But it also goes into how students can use it as well, how students can submit assignments in video format rather than writing or doing some other quote unquote normal assignments so video is a big part of what education should be now at this point and screencastify has really been on the forefront of that for a while so when i went through the screencast by genius certification i learned quite a few different ways on how to be more active using it with students so i already knew it and was using it on the teacher side and creating videos but i really wasn't sure how i could use it with students and the screencast by genius program really helped me out in Opening my mind up to that more.
0: Yeah, you know, Screencastify is one of the uh, Chrome extensions that I always recommend. IT departments let through instantly. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic tool. Um, it's a it's a great tool for Google Slides as well. To easily implement audio and video into a Google slide. I mean, it's just a great a great tool all around. Um, and uh, they um, have a uh, two different genius programs, right? They have uh, like a screen master, like that's the first one you go through. And then there's the genius one. Um, and, um, you know, there's, they're, they're, they're fun to go through because the first one, uh, uh, our good buddy, Matt Miller, uh, walks you through how to be that's screencast master. And then um, I think uh, Alice Keeler and uh, um, Holly Clark, uh, do the uh, the second one. Uh, so it's, it's fun seeing all them uh, being able to showcase their talents uh, in this program also.
1: Well, and not only that, so we're talking about educators doing this. So uh, with that, you got the Master Screencaster program, you get the Skilled Submitter program and the Genius. Uh, you also have Screencast Junior. This is one that's designed for students. So students can learn how to use screencastify and it also has lessons in there about responsible digital citizenship so that's something there that if you're going to be using it with students why not have your students do the master the screencast junior program and get them certified as well so they know how to more effectively use screencastify and then also learn some lessons on what it takes to be a good digital citizen
0: yeah you whenever a company um uh... Uh, does the certification process for students. I'm really uh, excited about that. Um, that's why uh, when Google started to do student certifications, um, I got really excited also. I know Adam Juarez uh, created his own student certification process for his students and he printed out a certificate for them, uh, but it was nothing official from Google. Uh, because if I, I, I was thinking to myself, I could get my students to pass the Google certified educator level one. How amazing would it be if I can get all of my students in my classroom certified in educator level one, but uh, you can't, you have to be a teacher and you have to be, uh, you know, above 18 or something like that. So I couldn't do it with my students. Um, So when a company allows for you to actually put your students through some of those things, I think that's pretty cool. So the way Screencastify has that junior program, I think that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I honestly did not know about the screencast by junior one until I was just on their website looking at the info on genius and master screencasters. So uh, now I did mention Microsoft, their innovative educator program here a, a couple of minutes ago. So and again, uh, I, my experience with it, it was a few years ago and it was a lot of quizzes on different Microsoft products where you earned points. With it, And after you earned so many points, that's when you earned your MIE experts or your innovative educator badge with it and whatnot. So now you and I are very open about how we're more Google people. So I've worked in a Google district now for a long, long time. So uh, the Microsoft universe is a little bit foreign to me at this point. So and a friend of the show, Tyler Keefe, he's in a Microsoft district and he has talked about Uh, wanting to do an episode that focuses more on Microsoft. And uh, I think, Joe, you and I should turn the reins over to him, let him run an episode one day to talk about this a little bit more. So just so we can be a little bit more equitable in regards to the Google and the Microsoft universes. So but um, with the MIE Educator uh, program, so the base one that I did was the Innovative Educator. Again, you go through. You pick and choose a series of quizzes on Microsoft products that usually it's a handful of multiple choice style questions where you go through, you answer these. And when you pass the quizzes, uh, I believe you got to have 80% of the quiz in order to earn the points for that quiz. Then you can move on to do another one. So and uh, each quiz is worth X amount of points. And then after you get, I want to say it's 800 points, maybe a thousand points. Once you've earned that many points, that's when you can earn the badge that's on there. So, but then there's also ones that are above just the innovative educator. There's also the Microsoft innovative expert as well. So, uh, and that's kind of like the, if you're talking about the Google universe, certified level one, certified level two, certified trainer, certified innovator. Okay. Microsoft has their levels as well. So, expert. From the way I understand it, is more of like the Google Certified Trainer, and then there's a level even above that where there that that's more of like the Certified Innovator, but in the Microsoft universe.
0: Yeah, you know I, what what I do like about the Microsoft uh, pathway is you do get to choose, um, and and they all they're always adding more um, uh, to their Educator Center community. Um, so that you can learn more about products and things that are coming out. Like I love to go in there and dive into their accessibility features whenever they have new ones coming through. Uh, Microsoft just announced uh, new reading tools that helps level up your students' reading capabilities. I really want to dive in deep with that to see how that works and how that is used. Um, So I do love the fact that their pathway is almost to choose your own uh, adventure. Um, But, you know, when when you take the test, if you don't pass it, you can instantly take it again, right? Um, and that kind of drives to the point where if you're not in there truly trying to learn something new, if you're just trying to get points, you can go down and take the quiz, not pass it, but know what you should go go back and take it again until you hit that eighty. Um, and so I, I don't like that aspect of it. I wish, I wish they would say, "Sorry, you you didn't pass this. You you come back in 48 hours or something uh, and take it again." Then it wouldn't, you know, kind of drive people to read more through it. Uh, but again what we're trying to say here is you're trying to better yourself to learn how to use these things. So why not take the time to listen and watch the videos and go through it? And so if you actually do that, uh, then, then more power to you when you pass that test. Uh, but in, in the Google realm, it's a little bit more skin in the game, right? Because you have to pay to take the level one test. It's only 10 bucks pay to take that level one test. Um, and if you don't pass it, I think it's third. I think it's three months, maybe. You you can't take it again for three months or something like that.
1: It's uh, uh, fourteen days for the first time you fail it, and then uh, if you fail it a second time, then it's uh, I believe it's three months, and then if you fail it the third time, then it's a year before you can take it again. So yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit like you said, skin in the game on that one. And then I I feel that the Google one as well. You do have the series of questions that are more multiple choice. Uh, choose from this list in nature. But then you also have to demonstrate your learning through a series of tasks and activities. So um, it's, it's 11 or 12 different activities where they give you these scenarios and then you have to demonstrate your skills using various Google tools on those tasks. So it, it could be something as simple as creating an email in Gmail, and then inserting a link from Google Maps into the email. Or it could be as involved as creating a simple website using a series of documents and images from a Google Drive account that you have access to during the exam. So um, I'm all about the demonstrating the knowledge through doing, not just you know spitting it out. Because like you said, with the, uh, the Microsoft ones, I did learn some things about different Microsoft tools as I was doing it. But again, it was... I I distinctly remember failing a couple of the quizzes, like getting a 70 instead of the 80 that was required and then just instantly going back, retaking it and it was the same questions. And I remember which one I got wrong and then like, oh, well, this is the answer then. And then getting it right, getting my 80 and then earning those points to move on in the program. So um, I feel that if there was a little bit more of demonstrate what you know versus just spit out what you know, I, I would be more apt to Recommend that program a little bit more, but but again, if you're in a Microsoft district, it is a no-brainer that you would uh, go through and do this. So or move up to the MIE trainer or MIE expert, uh, like Google has their trainer and innovators uh, programs.
0: Yeah, and I, again, if you're if you're a Google school, go after the Google levels. If you're a Microsoft uh, school, go after the Microsoft levels. But make it an event not just for yourself, but for your staff, uh, really convince your administrators um, on the power of those kind of levels and certifications. Um, and what I did was I convinced my administrator. I said, hey, let me put on like five one hour sessions on how to um, take this, uh, on, on how to go through all the Google stuff to get level one certified. And I said, if, all, if, if somebody shows up to all five sessions, uh, can we pay for their test? And then if they if they pay for if we pay for their tests and they pass, can I have a budget to get stickers made for their doors? And 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 they said yes all the way through it. So I would do lunchtime uh, options or after school options because I wanted to make sure my teachers had all the best uh, opportunity to, to do this. And those that came all five times you got their tests paid for. Majority of them passed, and so I just went on Sticker Mule um, with the badges that you get when you're done, and I had Sticker Mule print some up for me. And I went around, gave it to them, and we, they put it on their front door. And so, when parents would come by, they go, "Oh, you're level, you're Google certified." Because uh, parents, they don't know how many different levels of Google certification there are, right? Uh, so they go, "Oh, you're Google certified. Oh, you must know all the Google." It really kind of amplifies the confidence uh, of the parents that the teacher has the skills to use these tools, and it was great. Um, I so I highly recommend if you are in uh, uh, a position to put PD on for your staff um, and, and, and 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 something like that. Negotiate with your admin some cool things that you can give to your teachers when they pass. Yeah.
1: One thing that we haven't really mentioned yet is we've talked about these different programs and the badges you can earn and the knowledge that you gain and the application of such said knowledge, or whatever is, the impact it could potentially have on you getting promoted or getting a job somewhere. So. Uh, with my time over the last couple of years, where I went from my current district, moved away from there and then moved to Carson City, Nevada, and worked in that district for two years before returning to Las Vegas and returning to the district I worked at for 13 years prior, is that when I was applying for positions in Northern Nevada, one of the things that I put in my resume was that I was a Google Certified Educator, level one and two. I put in there that I was a Pear Deck coach. I put these different certifications in my resume. Now, some admin may look at that and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then others are gonna look at that and be like, wait a minute, tell me more. It's going to be a talking point in the interview. And when I interviewed for my position in Carson City, it was a talking point, the Pear Deck one especially. When I interviewed for my current position in Las Vegas, when my principal saw a Google Certified Trainer in there, That was a talking point. And and she was aware of what trainer was, but she wanted to know what my abilities were and and then how that could benefit the school and the, the teachers and students in the school having that certification. And I don't want to say that being a Google certified trainer got me those jobs. I don't want to say that at all, but it definitely enhanced my talking points in the interview process and was helpful in the decision-making process for those admin when it came time to hire somebody. So if they were looking at me and another candidate, very similar skill set, similar experience, but then that Google certified trainer, I have that and the other person didn't. I like to think that that helped me out in that process.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, these things, these, these skills um, provide confidence to, Future employers or your current employers that you um, have the drive to be the best u- user of these products, and that you are willing to share that knowledge and, and enthusiasm with other teachers, uh, and and that helps drive the confidence of the use of these tools on campus. And um, all of these tools, hopefully, you know, not all of them, but some of these tools, hopefully, helped you get through the pandemic. Um, Maybe Flipgrid got you through this. Maybe Screencastify got you through this. Maybe Pear Deck or Nearpod. Maybe one of these tools got you through it and you're like, I just want to know more. I want to get more involved with this community. Or because it got us through this, our district is now buying a full license for this and I want to be the go-to person in my district, right? That helps amplify your skill sets and maybe your notoriety across your district also because that's what these can do. Um, And they're free. But I want to quickly transition before, because I know we're getting to the hour mark. I want to transition to two other certifications that can really amplify your credibility in a district, um, but they do cost money. Um, so one of them is the Leading Edge certification process. So Leading Edge is, is a great group of educators, uh, administrators across uh, California that um, helps put together the skills needed for Leading Edge certification of administrators leading ed certification of EdTech coaches, leading ed certification of teachers. And so it, it'll let you go through all the different skill sets um, to become uh, a great users of technology for the use of administration or this or that. Um, traditionally, it used to be a face-to-face program, um, but they created a program through a Ludo that once you get invited to this program, you can, you get up to a year to complete as many certifications as you want, um, and, um, and, and, and uh, do it in your own time, which I think is very important. I love the fact that they give you an entire year uh, to get certified, and you can just get leading edge certified, you can get leading edge certified and leading edge administrators, so cert- you can get all the certifications you want, you just have to go through it. And they also require artifacts, which I think is incredibly important. It's not just a series of tests, so that you get this badge. You actually have to prove that you've learned something and have something to produce. Uh, Kyle, have you heard of a leading edge certification?
1: Oh, well, this is actually the first time I'm hearing of it. So I'm interested to hear what you learn from it as you start uh, diving into that a little bit further because yeah, like I said, I mean, this is the first I'm hearing about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a great program and, it's, and again, through a Ludo. Um, And so it gives you micro badging as you go along the way when you when you pass different levels, uh, which, you know, if you know anything about gamification and studies of gamification, um, by providing badges along the way, you're more likely to earn the big badge at the end because you're getting these little micro badges. So that's a cool thing uh, there as well. And the last one I want to talk about, again, which you can put on your resume and it could possibly amplify you in the job search process or on your campus is ISTE certification. Uh, But this one is quite pricey, Kyle, depending on who you get it through. um, It can be $600 or $800. It's a pretty pricey program. Um, And it uses a combination of synchronous and asynchronous work. Um, I know Adam Juarez is going through the program. I went through the first part of the program, um, but I just didn't have enough time to do the portfolio. Um, and it's not because they don't give enough time. It just happened. It just so happened that my portfolio time fell into when I just started my job with Q and trying to juggle all the new things to do with Q and also getting all these things done for the ISTE thing. I couldn't, I couldn't do. They, they do have a, a way that you can extend, um, when you could turn your portfolio in, but that extension does cost money as well. Um, so Um, That's another one you can get, ISTE ISTE Educator Certification, but it's a pretty pricey program if you uh, go through it.
1: Yeah, and a couple that I wanted to mention real fast. So if you are not looking to spend a lot of money on a certification, you want something that will deepen your skills on some things, a couple different are um, the Apple Teacher one. That's another program. So if you're in a school that uses Apple products, whether that's iPads or IMAX, whatever it may be, the Apple Teacher Learning Center is a place where you can go to demonstrate your skills and knowledge in regards to how to use different Apple products. So uh, this was another one. It's it's similar to the Microsoft one when I did it a few years ago, where it's a series of quizzes on different Apple tools, where if you don't pass it, you can go back and redo it, and then you can get the certification. So And because things in the Apple universe and the Microsoft universe are very similar, so like Keynote is very similar to PowerPoint. Uh, So a lot of what I was tested on when it came to the quiz on Keynote, I was able to do it simply because I know how to use Google Slides and and Microsoft PowerPoint. So um, again, like that Microsoft one, I'm not 100% sure how beneficial it really truly was for me. But at the same time though, I also was able to demonstrate that i knew how to do a lot of these things so if someone does have a question on hey i'm trying to do keynote on my ipad and i don't know how to do this can you help me there's a good possibility that i can help a person out with that as a result so so the apple teacher program is a good one and there's actually two different uh strands for that there's mac and there's ipad so you can actually get certified in both pathways with that And then the other one that while we were going through these different things one that kind of popped up in my mind as we've been talking is my school district is a canvas district in fact we just got a notification the other day that uh the google uh admin for the school district will be disabling google classroom starting in august to where nobody will be able to use google classroom at all because we are going to be using Canvas 100% now. So uh, this past year was kind of a, I don't want to say a slow roll because we were all pretty much required to use it, but Google Classroom was still open. So a handful of teachers would use it for supplemental things and things like school clubs and whatnot, but now that's not going to be an option. So I was thinking, is there a Canvas Certified Educator Program? And lo and behold, there is one. There's actually a K-12 certified educator program and there's a higher education one. And just opening it up and looking, there are all these different cohorts that are coming up uh, here in June. So uh, according to the website here, starting on June 21st, there's a cohort on the foundational frameworks of using Canvas in the classroom, and then uh, starting in August, then there's one on engagement strategies, then personalized learning, transformational practice. So there's all these different cohorts that are going to be opening up over the next few months in order to have people go through and learn more about Canvas, how to use it, how to use it effectively, build lessons within the LMS, so on and so forth. So. I'm taking a look at this, and uh, I think it's something I really want to maybe look at deeper, especially because Canvas is something that we're going to have to be using. My principal already asked me the other day if I would be able to help lead professional development before school starts for teachers new to the district coming into our school to help them learn Canvas because last year we kind of got thrown into the fire in learning Canvas, and the district had put together some required videos and trainings on how to use Canvas, but... uh, they weren't the most effective in fact one of them was like over an hour long and i i may have dozed off watching it because it was so dry uh and terrible and and i don't fault anybody for that really i i believe it was truly more of like uh we're in the middle of a pandemic and this is what we have to do so it was kind of thrown together almost last minute kind of deal so uh But I think I want to start looking at this a little bit deeper so that I can actually put together better professional development with my colleagues to help teach our incoming colleagues come fall.
0: Yeah, that's great. Make sure sure you put that link in the wakelet we have for our listeners. So if they want to go through that as well, they have an easy click. Uh, And we'll go through all these links because we've been adding them throughout the pandemic. Uh, So some of them have changed. So we'll go through here and and update it for you. Uh, But also, listeners, if we missed a tool, Right? If we missed a tool that you've gotten certified in, or there's a tool that, that you want to get certified in, and you're wondering if there is a certification, go off and look and then email us or text us or, or t- tweet us at sonsoftech.edu and say, hey, there, this is a certification that I'm going through, or this is a tool that I wanted to go through. Because one of the ones that we didn't talk about was the Seesaw Ambassador Program. A lot of teachers were using Seesaw um, o- over the time. Um, there, there's uh, Go Formative or Formative. Uh, which is a great I, I use that the, the heck out of that tool when I was in the science classroom uh, their community has kind of dropped a little bit since their original community uh, leader David uh, left but uh, they're they are still a good tool uh, so a whole bunch of other different things on here so if we missed the tool or we missed a certification that uh, other listeners absolutely should be uh, looking into please tweet us and we'll add it to our list Kyle anything for our listeners before we uh send them off uh, to their summer because a lot of educators listening to this uh, ended school last week um, or are going to be ending school in the week to come. So any any final words to our educators about uh, what we talked about or uh, the ending of the school year?
1: This past year has been nuts. So you, you need a break and I highly recommend you take a break. So we, we've talked about these different certifications, these badges that you can earn over the summer we're not telling you just to go dive in right now and start just badging it up for the next eight weeks or whatever until the new school year starts. Take your break. You need the break. You deserve a break. So, but at the same time, because you're an educator that's listening to the show, I know that your summers are full of professional learning and you trying to become a better educator during that time off. So I know that you're probably not going to sit around for much longer and you're gonna start diving into some things. Definitely take a look at our wakelet and the t- the topics that we talked about in this episode here today, and then share with us what you've learned and like how you think you're going to use some of these things. So hit us up on our Twitter page on at uh, sons of tech edu, and then we've also got the hashtag edTechArmy army. You can hit us up on so, and then you got Joe and I, our Twitter accounts, our Instagram accounts. Hit us up on those things and, and tell us what you're learning.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and to kind of uh, echo what uh, Kyle's saying. Um, Take your break. Congratulations on making it through the school year. I know it was a rough one, um, but uh, this trial by fire made you tougher. It it made you a better educator and it made you uh, more open to trying new things, Uh, maybe because you were forced to or maybe because you had the time to look. Um, But why not become certified in the tools that helped you? get through this pandemic. So take the entirety of June off. You have our permission. Uh, But once you start getting into the, after the July 4th holiday, um, start looking into some of these communities, get involved with some of these communities. And heck, if there's a tool out there that doesn't have a community, maybe you can be that educator to spearhead another great community and another great platform. Uh, Because we know that you can. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sticking with us um, throughout the entirety of our episodes and through this pandemic. And just keep doing what you're doing, take your break, and then come back full of fire and energy to make a difference in fall of 2021. Thank you so much for listening and have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day.